Previously on Killing Lorenzen. soon be seeing all over town. The Grizzlies unveiled their new logo at their coming out party to a crowd of hundreds at Peabody Place. Oh yeah, I was surprised. You know, now things are just starting to happen in Atlanta and, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss those guys. You know, I love those guys. You know, they were great home, but they traded me back home and I'm, I'm happy. I cannot put into words the sense of grief that Sharon I feel at this time. The loss of our daughter Sierra Simone is devastating. We loved her so much and we miss her dearly. That's when everything in the whole situation changed. Were you aware, you all aware that things were rocky or? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, thought of, you know, young, young people, you know. Hopefully they would get it together. But it wasn't to be. But I will say this much, she was a husband. By 2009, Lorenzen Wright's 13-season, $55 million NBA career was over. And so was his marriage to Shara, his wife of 11 years. The two who'd been brought together by basketball had seven children and lost one, were calling it quits. Lorenzen and Shara separated in March of 2009. The fast life and all that came with it had apparently taken its toll. Some were surprised, like Michael Gibson, Lorenzen's longtime friend and personal assistant. He'd even lived with Lorenzen and Shara. To me, I thought it was the perfect marriage until the separation and divorce and stuff like that. From what I saw, I'm like, oh, man, two people who love each other, two people who do things for each other, you know? But Deborah Marion, Lorenzen's mother, saw the writing on the wall. She always had him thinking that everybody wanted her. She always had him thinking that he got the best. He got what they left. They already gobbled all the good stuff up. He got what was left. So did you got know I told him, baby, you got the left over. You're the oldest one in the crew, youngest one in the crew, so you got the left over. You told him that? Girl, don't play with me. How do you think that made him feel? Well, it is what it is. And he found out. He found out. So, like he when he hooked, mom, you were so right. Mom, you was was your mama still your wrong? Hello. Deborah says she and Lorenzen talked about everything, including how he felt at the end of his marriage, and that he and Shara were still sexually involved. As Lorenzen told her, he was still hitting it. Mom, you know I was hitting her sometime when I come down here. He said, but you know right now you couldn't pay me to look at that half a naked. I don't even want to see a naked no more. You know when you can't get that cat away no more, your ass is through with him. He's through with you. When you can't give it away no more, he don't. So how did that go, that separation and leading up to the divorce? Was she trying to get him back? Were they talking? Oh, uh, she was just trying to keep him in them sheets. That was she thought she could keep, but that cat that wore out, last was gone, he was through with that. So she knows she didn't have no yoke on him no more. He had played that yoke off of him. He had finally grown up, and she saw he had finally grown up, and he could see through her mess. So they were having these problems and everything. When did you realize that they were gonna, they probably weren't gonna be together anymore? Uh, I, when she first saw dude, I knew this. I knew once you scarred one of us a certain way, mm -mm, ain't no coming back. Mm -mm, that's a wrap. I'm April Thompson. And I'm Zanetta Lowe. This is Killing Lorenzen, Love Basketball Murder. 
Episode 5, The Divorce. Just a warning, this episode contains explicit language. Deborah Marion says when her son Lorenzen caught Shara with another man, that changed everything. But Shara accused Lorenzen of cheating too. Lorenzen and his cousin Trevino Vassar were raised like brothers. They spent lots of time together. My thing is, I don't want to sit here and just say, okay, my cousin was the best man. Let me get this right. Let me get this right. I'm not going to sit here and just say, oh, my cousin was the best man. He was the best husband. Yada, yada, yada. Of course, sometimes people mess up, you know. And it's like, okay, cool. He messed up. Okay, cool. But I know I did that wrong. Let me go back and redo this. But he made everything correct. But this time, things couldn't be corrected, and the problems between Lorenzen and Shara reached a tipping point. You see her husband, you know she was finna leave him as one of his friends, but when he moved to him, man, he ain't moving no way. So well, somebody moving out your house because the furniture sitting at the curb. He go home, the girl to move his furniture and his dog. Shara done left him. He didn't even know she was going to divorce him. In May 2009, it was Shara who filed for divorce. Lorenzen was served divorce papers June 1st. But in court filings a month later, Shara's attorney said Lorenzen never responded to the divorce complaint. He was found in default. And it wasn't just the marriage. Lorenzen's career was taking a hit as well. He still wanted to play in the NBA, but no team picked him up. Here's Lorenzen's father, Herb Wright. And then I guess he, he stopped playing. Um, yeah. How did that affect him? Well, that had a negative effect on him. Because he still wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah. And he made he went to China. He could have played over there and made a good good living. But he said the pollution over there was so bad. Yeah, he did go to China. He did go. And then he came back. Then he tried out with Phoenix while he was here. I don't know exactly what came up there, but he didn't. He got released. <clears throat> that was a downer for him, but he was trying to pull everything back together. Lorenzen's former University of Memphis teammate and NBA player Cedric Henderson knows about transitioning from the pros. Henderson, who is now head coach at Southwest Tennessee Community College, played six years in the NBA with Cleveland, Golden State, Milwaukee, and Utah. When you go to the NBA, it's a whole different of just everything. Everything is magnified in a different light. You know, you're getting different type of attention. You're getting different type of people grabbing on you. You're getting different type of people doing things. Very, very interesting lifestyle of basketball, but um, it was fun. I enjoyed every minute. As a young man, you're 21 years old. You're getting all this money and all this attention. You can, you know, you make your mistakes. He says that big spending can catch up with you fast if you don't plan. And Ren was really still trying to live that lifestyle. But at that point in time, we already knew that he was struggling in a bit because he was always talking about, hey, man, y'all want to buy a car? You know, you want to buy this piece of jewelry? We was like, no, dude, we good, you know. But we knew, you know, uh, know what was going on because, you know, he was always flashy, but he had all this stuff, but then he was looking for cash. So we kind of like, okay, 
all right, we know what's going on. So we're just going to let him be, you know, and support him the best way we can. But you heard, like, he was getting rid of things, you know. Um, like, he bought a pretty Harley Davidson. I mean, it was – it had to be worth about $60,000, you know. And uh, and he was like, um, yeah, I'm trying to sell it, you know. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of start seeing it, you know, you can tell. We went out, and we usually do the same thing all the time because it's like right before everybody departures. And uh, – and for some reason, he was, you can tell him trying too hard to kind of like show that he can pay for everything and all this. We was like, dude, we don't, we don't want you. We got our own $2, you know, you ain't got to do this, do that. But you can see, it, like I remember it vividly because I was like, maybe right then and there was the time to say, hey, man, what's really going on? Why are you trying to prove this to us? Like you never had to do that to us. You never had to be the guy who sponsored everything. You know, you, when we ate, when we ate, you know, we just ate at it. You paid your bill, I paid my bill. When you go back and look at it, you go, maybe he was asking for help and just we didn't just pick up on it. Here's former WREG sports director Glenn Carver. I would say at the time that Lorenzen was spending the money the way he was spending it, I would like to think he felt this is what I want to do. Maybe it would have been better to have someone saying, okay, that's fine, but let's you know, we've got to budget for the future. But at the same time, once once there's a certain lifestyle achieved, uh, I would imagine, I'm not just him, anyone, it's tough not to maintain that. The millions Lorenzen made wasn't the same money he apparently had as his career was ending. But financial trouble wasn't something he talked about. What kind of financial pressures was, was he under um, at the end there? Well, again, to me, um, his, you got to look at his financial status and my financial status, that's on a, still a totally different level. So I didn't see it because he was still buying things that he wanted to buy and still, you know, getting whatever he wanted. You know, we would always get go out. He would always still pay for everything, unlimited drinks, unlimited food. He would still do everything. So to me, um, I wasn't aware. And even once he told me, hey, Mike, I need you to go to the bank up here, Bank of America. And gave me ten thousand out, you know. I went and did it, you know. And this was like a, a a couple of weeks before he got murdered. So, for me to see that, to see him broke, I didn't see that, you know. Even though I know that's what happened, but I didn't see it to that level. Always looked healthy. Always looked happy. He never looked like he was stressed about anything because you can tell, you know, when you see people, you know, change. But he never seemed like that guy. He always seemed like he had his head on his shoulders pretty good. I think. He was probably reaching out, trying to impress people so people wouldn't say nothing about him, you know, because we are fickle. We are spoiled, egotistic type people because that's where we've been. We've been all this. So I think I think at that time he was still trying to be something that he didn't have to do anything anymore because we was going to accept Lorenzen as Lorenzen, you know, at the time. But the financial pressures were closing in. By the spring of 2009, Lorenzen and Cheris Homes went into foreclosure. The 12,000 square foot, 17 room mansion they'd bought in East Tennessee in 2008 for $2.7 million was sold on the courthouse steps. Their million dollar home in Atlanta would also eventually go into foreclosure too. The fact of him no longer playing and obviously with his spending, you know, because he was always a giver. He gave so much and spent so much. That I knew that was happening. I saw it in my own eyes. I saw it happening anyway. You know, so I just thought that the houses getting foreclosed and all that was just, you know, 
It's going to happen. On the family's way out of Atlanta, they apparently left a mess behind at the house. Lights and fixtures were gone. We talked to Lorenzen and Shara's neighbors, Greg and Julie Murray. They lived a few doors down. I'll tell you, so I knew there were some issues with the house when the current owner was buying it. He had his dad become the general contractor to get it all worked up before he, his family moved in. And his dad was in our cul-de-sac every morning at 7 a.m., getting ready to greet the workers who were going to come in. And he did it for months and months. And I thought to myself, man, what are they doing to that house? Like, it's a beautiful home already. Like, what could they be doing? And I realized they weren't, like, pimping it out, so to speak. They were just getting it back to, like, a habitable condition. And it just, like, there was a lot of, like, damage and neglect on their way out. It was just a sign of the turmoil. By 2010, Lorenzen and Shara's marriage was officially over. Their divorce final in February, five months before Lorenzen was killed. The divorce papers list the grounds for the divorce as irreconcilable differences and inappropriate marital conduct. Lorenzen was to provide health insurance coverage and pay all health expenses for the children. Shara was to be appointed primary custodial parent, receiving child support in line with the lifestyle to which the children were accustomed. Lorenzen was also to pay alimony. We'll tell you how much a little later. Property acquired during the marriage would be sold and proceeds split between Lorenzen and Shara. Deborah Marion tried to show her son there was something else after basketball. But he was trying to start playing overseas. Yeah, he won overseas. So how was all of that? Because when people leave the league and they're used to that and that lifestyle, what was that like on Lorenzen when he couldn't play anymore? Easy. You can go come over his mama's house and do what he do. Nothing. Money don't make no man. Easy. Come on over here, mama cooking the day. Go back to what you was going to be if you never was. That's why I told him, don't forget where you come from. Never know what's going to happen. But it had to weigh on him, though. It did, but what you, it's done. What you going to do about it? What, what can, how can you fix it? So why stress yourself out for something you If you have a crystal glass and you stand right here and break a shutter all over the floor, what you going to be talking and crying about it for? You will never see that back together, never again. You can go buy another one, but you'll never see that one. So why are you crying? Pick your boots up and go back to get your other damn glass. That one's too. Lorenzen's family and friends, including his fraternity brother, Phil Dotson, said they tried to keep the peace and not express their concerns during Lorenzen and Shara's marriage, hoping things would work out. Well, we talked. Um, you know, there was, you know, stories of, you know, infidelity on both sides. And uh, because he wasn't an angel, you know, I never remember they renewed their vows. You know, and, you know, trying to, you know, do things the, you know, trying to, you know, do it the right way and, you know, stick with, you know, stick with the marriage and, and uh, you know, and, and, and be and keep that family unit together, you know, for the kids' sake. But one person who refused to be silent was Lorenzen's Aunt Zetty. Because in the beginning, I would voice my opinion and I would always get into it with my nephew about him and his wife and all the situations. So I kept shutting up a lot. But when I really felt that I needed to say something, I would say it whether he got mad at me or not. Me and him would cuss each other out, but we'd be apologizing. He'll call me back and apologize in a minute. But I ain't said to be gonna go and say it. But you, when you think about it, ain't said to be making a lot of sense. I stayed out of their stuff. And and when it all was going down, he called me one night. He was they were they had been into it because he had caught up with a dude. He said, "My mama said you can't make no home, no housewife." I said, "Yo, you finally got it, huh?" found a guy but it was gone it was like it was gone by then you know they were divorced and they was 
divorcing and going through drama, because Shirley's drama. The Reverend Bill Adkins lived near Lorenzen and Shera in their last Memphis home. And he says Lorenzen often came to him for advice. I mean, he loved her. We didn't, you know, you don't always understand it, you know. You, but he loved her. He, I saw him. I saw him trying to save that marriage. I saw how much he tried to do everything that he could. He did everything he could to make her happy. But he also began to notice things. I had begun to see different things in her that troubled all of us. Um, um, she um, she went a whole different route from being just provocative to, to being downright embarrassing uh, in her manner of dress. And, um, um, if you, if, if we would testify, if, if you went over his home, uh, she would parade around the house in almost nothing. And um, he would have to say, you know, put some clothes on. And, uh, you know, um, it, things just shifted so quickly and so badly until divorce was the only route they could possibly go. Lorenzen and Shera's marriage was over, at least on paper. But were they really done? Michael Gibson says Shera and Lorenzen had moved on, but they still got together. I tell him time and again, I said, man, why are you still sleeping with her? If you're going to cut her off, cut her all the way off. You're divorced. So you don't have, other than the kids, you don't have any you know, other ties with her. You need to let it be. You know? He says that jealous streak Shara had was still there, even after they split. Oh, I think she's extremely jealous of the other girlfriends in the him. I think she, even though um, it went down the way it did, she was all about Lorenzo. You know, you can say what you want, and even though she got remarried or whatever, but she, everything she did was all about him. You know, I think she was very jealous of the other girls. You know, and like I said. The thing that bothered me, you know, we got all the kids up in here and the kids are seeing these girls. So, you know, they're telling the mom, you know, dad had this girl over there and there's nothing like this girl, you know. But some of those girls stood out more than others. Alexis Bradley was a girl Lorenzen was said to be dating when he died. Pictures of them together surfaced online and she was even questioned by media about their relationship. We tried to contact Alexis for this podcast but couldn't track her down. Did he have a lot of other girlfriends here? Oh, yeah, plenty. <laughs> Were any of them serious? Uh, a couple were. A couple were really serious, yeah. Meaning they would stay over long term or things like that, yeah. But you never, did you ever get a sense that he might remarry or that he was at that place ever or anything like that? Um, the only person I could see him remarry was Cheryl. I couldn't see him remarrying anybody else. That's right, Lorenzen's longtime friend who lived with him after the divorce said if he married anyone again, he thought it would be Shara. Deborah says Lorenzen had lots of girls and ranked them on how serious he was about them. She told us about one girl Lorenzen was really serious about. He had moved on romantically, though. He had moved on in other relationships. Yeah, Tina had his birthday party that year here in Memphis. Her and her son. Show did, and his kids was there. They loved Tina to death. Deborah says Lorenzen was dating former WNBA basketball player Tina Thompson before he died and that the two planned to marry. So Tina Thompson was the one that he was going to get with? Yes. So what happened with them? Cheryl started a bunch of shit with them telling Tina that Lorenzen said this about her. I got your Tina, I don't believe shit that hell for say. I sure hate she went through his phone and got your number. She just lied, lied, lied. 
She says Tina was at Lorenzen's funeral and even walked in with the family. Tina Thompson is now the women's head basketball coach at the University of Virginia. We reached out to her and are still waiting to hear back. I love Tina. A person with money to act just plain, you think she just ain't got a dime. Because she don't act all bougie like that. Mm -mm. And I, it ain't like I've been with her one or two times. I've been with her five, six, seven, eight times. You know, she was the same every time. And you felt like she was good for him. Exactly. Equal. Y'all equal. Equally yoked. Both y'all headed in the same direction. Yes, Lord. How important was that for him? Very. Cause, and then his kids liked Tina, too. You know, so that was like a good thing for them. And her son loved Lorenza. And her little boy said, can I call you grandma? Yeah, babe, I'm finna be your grandma anyway. Mm-hmm. Her son asked you that? Mm-hmm. They must have been talking about, you know, around him. Kids were important to Lorenzen, and even after his divorce, his kids were still a part of his life. He split custody with Shara, taking the kids to live with him during the summer and some holidays. But after his divorce, it was providing for his family that became a point of contention, at least according to Shara's attorney, Gail Mathis. She wanted the children to be involved with their father, and she also needs or needed his financial help. Mathis said Lorenzen and Shara were $3 million in debt. As part of the divorce, Lorenzen was to pay $26,000 a month to Shara, $16,000 for child support, and $10,000 for alimony. Shara included almost $4,000 a month for nanny services, $2,500 for credit cards, some $2,700 a month for the kids' activities, entertainment, and miscellaneous expenses, $2,400 a month for auto expenses, and almost $5,000 a month for housing costs. But Shara's attorney says... The money was rarely paid. Mrs. Wright did not receive uh, any regular payments. He would occasionally give her a little bit of money, nothing close to what he had been ordered to do. She was used to having some household help, and all of that had to go away. Deborah says Lorenzen was taking care of his kids. But when, we, when he had gotten out of the league, he the was money, out of the, right, the money that he had been making you know, making money. But he still had obligations. Yes. Was he at this point having to pay share with, um child support? I told you he paid money, like sometimes he sent money or two or three times in one day. And even Shara told us as much back in the exclusive interview she did with WREG four months after Lorenzen's death. You'll hear that in an upcoming episode. So he was sending money. Hmm. I told you I got plenty of them receipts. Don't Taking care play. of the kids. Yes. So he had, did he still have money or how was he getting money? Uh, he saved money. He had a different account. It ain't like he put all his money over here. He did just like she did, stole from himself and put it to the side. It was his money. She did it. But some say Lorenzen, remember he's also called Ganya, was in over his head and out of money, desperately looking to make it. And that may have been why he started selling cars and other possessions. Lorenzen's name surfaced in a federal investigation after he was connected to selling two of his cars to a known Memphis drug dealer by the name of Bobby Cole in 2008. Lorenzen was even questioned by investigators. Ganya ain't sold shit. Kenny sold them. Kenny was raised up with him. Ganya ain't sold nothing. Deborah told us about that close call. She says Lorenzen's friend, Kenny Brown, a name you will hear a lot about later, was the person who actually sold the cars. 
Deborah even told us how she became a go-between on the deal. I had to meet Kenny at the bank, but I'm not knowing what for. All right, so the, like I told him, the white lady over at the bank, I don't forgot her name, but I can take him over there and show him. When I was kidding, and I, don't, I guess that might have been that, that, that guy, that Bob Cole guy, but I don't know. I ain't never seen him again since that day. They met me at the bank, and uh, that woman, this was the woman told me, Deborah, if I was you, I wouldn't be on the outside because I could walk in and out the bank because I was waiting on Kenny them to come to get them some, get some money from them. She said, because this is way too much money because if I wasn't a straight-laced woman, I'd keep you for this amount of money. I don't know how much. I had two envelopes. I don't know how much money was in it. I just know I was on the middle person in this. And you were supposed to give it to who? To Kenny. From who? From uh from Bobby now. Yes, when they bought the cars. In fact, she says Lorenzen was adamant about wanting nothing to do with Bobby Cole when Cole proposed a way to make some quick cash. And the same dude, Bobby Cole and them had race car in Atlanta, Georgia. One of my friends called me from Atlanta, Deb. I can tell you how to tell Rennie he can make some extra money. He ain't got to do a damn thing, but just let the dude ride his, his name. I'm like, what you talking about, Bell? He said, this dude got a racing car, and he wanted to ride Lorenzo's name, and he up here XYZ dog just to put his name on his, on his car. Oh, he told, I told him who the dude was. He said, oh, let me find out someone. She, a couple days later, he called me, no, nah, mama, hell no, nah, mama, these are big gang bangers. No, these big drollers, these people that killed, no, no, no. And then two months later, he the cars get sold to the same people that he just wouldn't let to put a name on their car? Mm-mm, 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 you going away for him with that. Mm-mm, he wasn't going to deal with him for him making money, so I know he ain't did nothing with him like that. Wright was questioned by investigators and said he had no knowledge of the cars being used for illegal activity. Many wondered if that connection could have cost Lorenzen his life. But as he went through a bitter divorce, others saw another possible reason someone might want Lorenzen gone. As part of their divorce, Sheriff filed a court order to receive 50% of Lorenzen's NBA players pension and 401k and also required Lorenzen to take out a $1 million life insurance policy with his children as the primary beneficiaries and Shara as the trustee. Less than six months later, that life insurance policy would be paid out. On the next episode of Killing Lorenzen. He's worth more dead than alive. He got out of the car and we shook hands and I said, right, we'll call me later. And that was about 10 o'clock. And I left, and that was the last I saw him. Can't pinpoint nowhere he could be that I don't know where he is. The last time anyone in her family saw the 6'11 former NBA player was Sunday night. Georgetown 911, where is your emergency? Hello? Son, I have nothing but gunshots. How they did them, though. That would hurt me the most. It was an overkill to me, to be honest with you. He called while he was being murdered. Killing Lorenzen, Love, Basketball, Murder is a production of WREG-TV in Memphis. It's reported and hosted by us, Zanetta Lowe and April Thompson. Our editor is Josh Strawn. Original music, Lorenzen's theme by Boo Mitchell and Uriah Mitchell of Royal Studios, Memphis, Tennessee. Cover art by Corinne Zeta. David Royer is in charge of web and social. Eric Lipford handles our file research. And thanks to our colleagues Alex Coleman, Caleb Hilliard, and Sean Scott for their assistance. Jessica Davis is our intern. And none of this would be possible without the support of our assistant news director, Sarah Van Arnhem, 
and our news director, Bruce Moore. While you're here, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate, and share it. Thank you.